Welcome to the Constructing Greatness Podcast, where I will be sharing real stories with inspiring tradesmen and many other driven and passionate leaders in construction and various other industries. I'm your host, Nicholas Ofak, and I've been in the construction business since 1996 as a construction manager and have worked for some of the largest builders in the United States. I'm now a business owner entrepreneur, and partner in a firm where we've successfully managed to be listed on the Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies three years in a row. The main purpose of this podcast is to inspire and create awareness about the value of working in the trades and to educate about the great benefits and rewarding opportunities it can create. Are you ready to take this fun journey with me? Let's do it. Did you know that you should never use paints or coatings on brick, block, stone, or mortar? It's because it needs to breathe. Instead, you can stain it to any color that you'd like, and yes, even the mortar too. Staining is 100% maintenance-free and permanent, unlike coatings. So why don't more people know about it? We wondered the same thing. MNN Masonry Staining is a South Jersey contractor that has partnered with the oldest brick staining manufacturer in the United States and is certified to use their proprietary products and over 45 years of staining knowledge. MNN is scheduling residential and commercial building estimates now. For more information, call Nick at 856 217 1750. Or follow M&N Masonry Staining on any social media platform. Today's guest puts his life on the line to help and serve his community. He's a first responder for over 20 years, and he's a friend. Lieutenant Aaron O'Donnell, welcome to the show. How you doing, Nick? Absolutely. I'm doing well, man. Good to see you, buddy. It's been a while. You do. It has been a long time. And I think I probably saw you more when you didn't live here in town. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Tell the audience, how far away do we live from each other? And yeah, we don't ever see each other. <laughs> what, mile and a half? Uh, a little more now. I think probably 2.2 miles maybe. But As the crow flies, right? <laughs> good to see you, man. And uh, it's really true. Good to see you because I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. I'm glad to, that you wanted to come on and I wanted to share your career journey, and I know that you were you were really excited to come on and share. And congratulations on your recent promotion to lieutenant. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was a long time coming. I've taken a test a few times, been passed over a few times by great great firemen who deserved the promotion just as much as I did. But just got it in January, so kind of learning the ropes a little bit, <laughs> easing my way into it. You know what I mean? Because it take it takes it takes a a lot to go from being a fireman to being a supervisor. I don't say boss because I don't say boss because in, in the fire service, when you say boss, that's a derogatory thing in the fire service. You don't say boss. I don't have a boss. It's just, you know, my supervisor, my, we call each other by our, our rank, you know, Lieutenant, like my guys at work, they call me LT. And when there's a captain on my shift too, they call him cap. So we don't, we don't use the boss kind of thing. It's kind of derogatory because in the fire service, you're either a leader or a boss. A boss is the guy who stands on the rock and yells, push it up the hill. The leader is the guy who pushes it up the hill with you. So we don't use boss all that much. So Got it. Got it. Good stuff. And, and we'll get into the transition of you being lieutenant now. A little bit about, you know, Aaron and I, we, we actually played baseball together for Wood Bat League. What, four or five years, I think we played together. Aaron, Aaron was one of the catchers. And uh, we won a championship, too, together, didn't we? No, you guys won it in ten, and I joined in eleven. I got ah, okay. Remember, I, remember Terry uh, recruited me at the All Star Game in two thousand ten okay. there at the <laughs> stadium, and then I came over. So. You just missed it, huh? <laughs> I missed the chip. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was, uh, and it's still eluding me to this day. You're still playing, right? I st- I'm still playing. I actually play in two leagues now, Nick. I play Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. Well, you got that youth in you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but just today I went and got the old cortisone shot of shoulder, so it's starting to starting to fade away. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's when it, it it started going. You know, I mean, it was pretty much gone. I think of me at forty, but but it started going. I think mid thirties after all those years of pitching, but but that was some good times, man. But hey, just getting going back to you were educated at, at Haddon Township High School. What did you do after high school? Uh, so after high school, well, my senior year of high school, 
obviously playing baseball. I was a baseball player all through my life. Uh, the only other one sport I played was football my freshman year, and that was it. Undefeated, but one year and I was out. <laughs> but baseball was it for me. It was, you know, summer ball, travel ball. It was legion ball. It was high school ball. It was township rec league ball. If there was baseball to be played, I was on it. So my senior year, my uh, guidance counselor, she's like, hey, you want to keep playing baseball? Well, yeah. <laughs> she's like, all right. And, and I knew in my heart of hearts I wasn't a Division One player. I wasn't a Division Two player. I was good. I wasn't to that level. She's like, listen, she's like, Wesley College in Delaware, Division Three school. They can't say that they're giving you a scholarship, but they're going to pay for you to go to school and you can play baseball. Okay, I'm in. Let's do it. She's like, well, what are you going to do after college? I was like, well, I want to be a fireman. There's not many colleges that teach fire science. You have your big ones, like your, any, any A&M school, agricultural and stuff like that, they're going to have their fire science degrees and stuff like that, but Wesley College didn't have anything. She's like, oh, why don't, why don't you be a teacher? So I'm like, okay. Said so to myself, 17-year-old 17, 17 kid, I'm like, let's go be a gym teacher. How hard can that be? Right? Go to college, be a gym teacher. So I go to college, Wesley College. I made it one week, and nobody told me that it was a Christian school, and that I had to go to, like, church and, you know, like, Bible classes and music appreciation classes. Called my mom after I got there on a month, Sunday night. I went through class Monday to Friday. I called my mom Friday night. I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, I want to be a fireman. She's like, I knew it. She's like, why did you even waste your time going down there? I said, they dangled the baseball. You know what I mean? They dangled the baseball at you. I've known my whole life. That's all I've ever wanted to do is be a fireman. When I got hired full-time, finally, I was like winning the lottery. It was like winning the lottery. So my mom said, well, listen, she's like, stay for the semester. It's already paid for. I should have stayed and actually gone to class and got some college credits. But what did I do? I went and party, 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 right? But for me, now that I look back on it, on that, on that time, I got that out of my system. You know what I mean? And I was able to come home and, and go right into what I wanted to do. So I came home, started going to Camden County College because I had fire service, college classes, Little side note, I was in the construction trade. I worked for a plumber. <laughs> so throw that into your, into your podcast a little bit. And I was also, um, I also worked road construction. You remember the big job that was 202 and 76, the highway job up there? Years back, they did the big train bridge and everything. I was a laborer on that job. So I, I have some construction experience too. Um, so I did that, worked for the plumber, just odd jobs around as I was you know, taking tests and stuff like that, because you got to take tests to be a fireman. I finally ended up getting hired in 2003 as a police and fire dispatcher. So I worked for Camden County. I was a 911 call taker for a little while. Then I started working as a dispatcher, which then drives me right into 2008 when I got hired full-time by the fire department, finally. Well, you were a volunteer fireman, right, for a long time. and, and- started in 1999. Right. When you said you always knew you wanted to be a fireman, why do you think that? Like what? And now that you have been, is being a fireman what you thought it was going to be? Absolutely. Absolutely what I thought it was going to be. And for me, I think what kind of drew me to it is growing up, my uncle was a truck driver. So I was always into trucks. And I would, then I, then I got into fire trucks. Hey, that's a cool fire truck, blah, 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 blah. And then what really threw the flame or threw the gas on the fire for me was, the lady who lived next door to me, she started dating one of the volunteer firemen. He started taking me up there to just hang around. I was like 15, 14. And it just, that was it. I, I, like, I was in the building probably 10 minutes and I was like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is the deal. This is always what I wanted to do. I couldn't wait till I turned 18 because you have to wait till you're 18 in the state of New Jersey to go to fire school. And I just chomping at the bit, chomping at the bit. And they had a, they didn't have a junior firefighter program at the time, but they created one for me, believe it or not, because I was around so much. They had to create one. So that way I could start going on calls. That way I was covered by insurance. So I started, you were like the gopher, you know what I mean? You went and got the guy's call for you, you know, <laughs> clean the firehouse and stuff like that. Stupid little odd jobs. You could go on calls. All you could do is maybe change somebody's air pack in their bottle. That was it. Couldn't do anything else. But I was like, you, but you were learning, but you were learning. Yeah. Learning. learning what the other guys are doing and what to do and what not to do. Right. 
as soon as he took me up there, like I said, that just, he, it's like he dumped a gallon of gas on the flame and it just blew up. But it definitely is everything that I expected it to be. Minus the, when you get into the career side of it, the politics, there's still politics in it, you know, getting things to pass in budgets, you know, trying to, right now we're, we're two years without a contract, right? So you got to fight for, you got to fight for your money, you know, stuff like that. But the actual job itself, it's amazing. I, I, if somebody took the job away from me today, Nick, I would be homeless underneath a bridge somewhere because I have no other skills. I know nothing else. I, it's all I know. It's what I love. And when the day is done and they put me in the ground, I just hope somebody says that I was a good fireman. I mean, I always knew you were passionate about it, which is one of the reasons why I absolutely wanted you to come on the show. And you, you obviously expressed your interest to share, too. So in 1999, you became a volunteer fireman for Westmont Fire Company, and then you were doing like odd jobs. You said yeah, doing that's some when different I was doing things, the construction, and the, the working for the plumber and stuff like that. And then when I was still there in Westmont, I was still there in 2003 when I got hired by the county. You know, just odd job, taking some college classes here and there, just living life, trying to figure out how to get on the job somewhere. Then you became full time in 2008. And that was with Willingboro Fire Department. And through that process of you being a fireman for, you know, for, for the many years, you know, before you got promoted, which we'll talk about, you, you're also a fire instructor at the County of Salem Fire Academy, where you, I guess you, you teach New Jersey people to become state certified, correct? Want to talk a little bit about that? So about five years ago, I was able to get my state certification to be a fire instructor. At the time, Burlington County, where I work, was hiring instructors, and three-quarters of my department works there, and Salem was hiring. So, of course, we live, what, we're 10 minutes from Woodstown? Not even. So I applied there because I wasn't going to be driving all the way back up to Burlington County on my days off when I got to drive up there for work on my normal days just to, you know, to work. So I got hired here about five years ago. Immediately upon getting hired, I was put in charge of the Fire One program, which is the new recruits for the state of New Jersey. I did in the last five years, I've put through 11 classes in five years, firefighters through Fire One. And now most recently we add Fire Two, which is an advanced certification. Myself and another guy, we've been in charge of that for the last uh, five years. This is the first year that me and him haven't been in charge of it. We both just kind of needed a break. He was just getting burned out. And then obviously, you know, we just had a baby. So it was kind of like perfect timing for me to just take a year off. And now I'm still out there working. I still go out there and I do live burns with the, with the departments who need to do their live burn training for the year. And I'm still out there doing stuff. I'm just not in the charge of the fire one program right at this present time. But it's, I like to instill you know, the old school mentality myself is what I, I come from an old school fire department, which Westmont is old school. They're very aggressive. They always go into the house and put the fire out. That's the way you do it. Same way with Willingboro and with working at Salem County, they don't get as many fires down there. It's more of a rural area, as you know. So to give a, a perspective as an instructor of a guy who works for a way busier department, I think can give them a lot of life lessons different experiences I've had. Hey, I fell through the floor one time doing this or cut the hole here when you're venting because I've done it. You know what I mean? And they may not have that opportunity. Some firemen in Salem County probably ne will never go to a fire just because it's such a rural area and they don't have many fires. But if I can share my experience with them and teach them and ensure that when they do go to a fire, they don't hurt themselves, hurt anybody else, or kill themselves or kill anybody else. That's my goal. You're probably super passionate about teaching and instructing, correct? Yeah, I am. Very much so. I can see that uh, just from you explaining it, but also knowing you too and, and seeing you on the baseball field and how you were interacting with some of the younger guys that we played with. And you're always looking to help and, and better, you know, better people, which is one thing I love about you. So you also became a shop steward. In 2010, talk a little bit about the local that you're in, 3091, the responsibility of a steward that for people that don't know what a steward is, and then end with, with just the benefits of, of being in the union. So I'm a member of Burlington County, IFF Local 
3091. We are a county local as compared to some bigger areas that are just their own. Like you have a, a city like Philadelphia, they're their own IFF local. Our local is a county local, so it encompasses multiple departments. So we have, we're 200 members now in the county local. So as a shop steward, I'm responsible at the time for the firefighters shop of 3091. So there's a firefighter shop and then there's an officer shop. 2010, it was, it was just dumped on me by the guy who had been the shop steward. He, he went through a five-year battle to get a contract. Um, we almost got guys laid off. Like I got hired in 2008 and six months after I got hired, I was given a rice notice to be laid off. So they tried laying us off, but we ended up telling them, Hey, these guys were hired on a grant. If you lay them off, you owe the federal government $1.2 million. They were like, Oh no, you can stay. (laughs) So, so he had gone through a long battle and I came into work one day and there was a box sitting on a desk and he was like, it's all yours, bro. I'm done. And he went home. He, he was changing shifts. He wasn't on my shifts. He was like, here's all the stuff. You're the shop steward now. I was like, oh, okay. I had two years on the job. I know nothing about nothing. Nothing about nothing. And he did absolutely nothing to help me. Nothing to teach me. I would ask him stuff. He'd be like, man, I don't know. Just because he was so fried from that five-year battle to get a contract and all the stuff that went through, the guys beating him up and attacking him. You know, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. So I had to learn on the fly. Thrown in the fire. No pun intended, right? Thrown in the fire. I want to say two years later was my first contract. Again, the township was trying to hammer it to us. I negotiated a contract. Um, The top firemen in the pay scale, they got kind of screwed. They weren't happy with me, but I learned. I learned along the way. I did my best for them. It's not always, not always good enough for everybody in a union, right? It doesn't matter. Some people, it doesn't matter what you do. You can get them $10,000 raise and they're going to tell you they want 12. It doesn't, sometimes it just doesn't matter what you do. So for us, obviously the benefit of being in a union is we have job protection, right? It's an added layer on top of, we also are in the state of New Jersey my municipality is, is a civil service municipality. So that's another layer of job protection. You, you, you got to do some crazy stuff to, to lose your job. If you're a civil service employee, plus you have union protection, you know, they're having, having that union, it's an international union. So the IFF is all throughout the United States and Canada. There's members all over between the two countries. So we have access to so much information. So many people down in D.C., so many people throughout the country that if you have a problem, you call down to the down to D.C. and say, I have this problem. And they'll go, oh, OK, let me call Louisville, Texas, because they had the same problem. How did they handle it? I'll give you a call back. So you have that added group of people to help you out. The union is also great for guys who are guys who get injured, guys. Uh, we have a brother right now who's fighting cancer real bad. He's retired out of West Hampton. They put it out an email yesterday, said he's, he's, he's doing really horrible. He needs a jar taken care of. One of the girls that works EMS, who's in the local, she said she emailed back within five minutes. She's like, my husband owns a landscaping company. He'll be there tomorrow. Then one of the, guy, one of the guys from West Hampton said, okay, well, let us know what it would be to cut it every two weeks. And she said, no, he'll just be there every two weeks to cut it. Done deal, right? We had a guy in our local. He was in the hospital for a really long time. And we made sure we paid his mortgage because we have a fund called the Sean Fund that you can donate to. Um, It's named after one of our members whose son has cerebral palsy. So that money's there for us if if something happens to one of us. If if you get injured and you can't pay your mortgage, you call the union. Hey, guys, this is what's going on. If you're having trouble buying groceries because you're injured and it wasn't a workman's comp issue, so you're out on disability, so you're not getting paid as much. The union's there to help you, and they have helped many, many people in our local on many, many occasions. Good stuff. And when you became full-time, is that when you officially became in the union? Is that when yeah. that, that, pro- yeah, that, that happened? Okay, gotcha. Yep, yep. 
Gotcha. So how did COVID impact you guys? And, and, and just talk a little bit about your experiences through that process as a first responder. So obviously in the beginning, nobody knew what was going on. It was kind of just, eh, whatever, you know, and then progressively into the months, you know, April, I got COVID. I got it at work myself and my captain at the time, we both got COVID. So I was out of work 14 days. I was on workman's comp. I, I know that many, many people have died from it, but I was lucky. It was nothing for me. It was nothing, nothing for my captain either. We, we, we really, he had a runny nose for like three days. And for me, it attacked my um, intestinal tract because I had had intestinal surgery a few years ago. So it went after the weakest part of my body. So basically I was bubble guts for a little while. Honestly, that's what it really was. So I looked out, I looked out. What it ended up changing for us at the firehouse, obviously, is our PPE. You know, we're wearing N95s. And then when it started getting, when, when stuff really started to hit the fan, we got P100s. So we're all fitted for P100s. And in the beginning, before when we were not able to get that stuff, if we had to go into a house that had somebody who was COVID positive, we would actually just wear our air pack, our full air pack, and just breathe fresh air until they were able to get us. Because obviously, you know, as well as I do, nobody could get PPE anywhere. So as far as in the firehouse went, had, we had just moved in when COVID hit into a brand new $11 million firehouse, beautiful firehouse. I was going to ask you about that firehouse, how, how, that, how things are going. Because I remember talking about it before it started, what, five years ago or so? It's already falling apart. <laughs> like badly, badly. Ah, okay. Um, so in the firehouse, what they ended up doing is Upstairs has 16 individual bunk rooms. So we would come in in the morning. We would have our shift briefing. We would try to stay as far away from each other as humanly possible. We would get our truck checks done. We would clean the firehouse. And then we were told to go to our bedrooms. Isolate your bedroom. When we have five guys, if only five guys are working that day, you're supposed to ride five guys on the engine. When COVID hit, that fifth guy came off the engine. He would just stay back unless it was an actual fire. We just, we limited the number of people on the apparatus just to four people. You know, it's, Willingboro got hit pretty hard with COVID. So we, our EMS was, uh, was getting whacked. They're already busy as it is. The EMS in Willingboro does over 4,000 calls a year. Then you added in COVID and they were just running nonstop. We don't, we recently started going on EMS calls as the fire department, but at the time during COVID, we didn't go on EMS calls. The only time we would we would go we would be going and we had to worry about it is you know we would go to a house for a fire alarm and we would just knock on a door the people would come to the door we'd say stay in your house is everything okay hey everything's fine I reset the alarm okay goodbye and we would get back in the truck and go we would just you know stay away from everybody some places you have to go in like you get the fire alarm at the hospital we got to go to the hospital because there's a hospital in Willowbrook got to go in to reset that alarm there's no way that we could just stand at the door and go yeah you guys good <laughs> you know. Because somebody has to go through that entire hospital, make sure there's not a fire somewhere. You know, it's a lot easier on a house where I can look through the front door and go, eh, nothing's on fire. Obviously, the people are still in the house. So, everything. so it impacted us. It, it definitely impacted us. You know, our police department got lucky. They were allowed to sit at home and get paid, but we had to keep coming to work, you know. <laughs> but that's a different story for another day, Nick. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that off, off recording. September 11th, 2001. When you saw that devastation, you being who you are, you know, first responder, and then, you know, you and your guys saw that, just describe the feelings, you know, and, and the emotions that you were experiencing. So on that day, myself and another guy, we had class down in Camden County at the college. We had a fire service. Uh, we, were, we were both taking, you know, fire service classes. We were at the county. We were just getting ready to walk into class, and our pagers went off for a fire in, in another town. We're like, yeah, screw it. Let's go home. Let's go back. Let's go try to go to fire. Screw class. We're out of here, right? Shoot back back to Westmont from Blackwood. We don't we don't make it, right? <laughs> it's a long, long ride. <laughs> what were we thinking? Right? What were we thinking? So we walked in the firehouse. Everybody had left who had gone on the call. It was just us. And uh, at the time, they had one paid guy in Westmont, just a paid mechanic. And um, it was on the TV, and we were just sitting in the sitting in the – Westmont still has a bar in it. So we were sitting at the bar because that's, like I said, it's an old school volunteer firehouse, right? And all, all had bars. We're sitting at the bar watching the TV and, and 
as we walk back in as, as the second plane at the tower, watch it live on TV. And I mean, at that time, that minute as it happened, it was like, oh crap, there's a lot of people in there. And there's gonna be a lot of firemen in there because there's not a fireman on this earth who's not gonna go do their job. And I guarantee you, 343 firemen died that day. In addition to a few guys who were in there who survived, every single one of them, if you brought them back today and said, you going up? Yes, sir, I'm going up, let's go. You know, it's, it's what we do. I mean, there's, that year was a rough year because also in 2001 was the, the fire in Gloucester City where the three firemen and the three little, little girls died. I was at that fire. I actually was part of a company that rescued two of the live firemen out of that house. One of which was my coworker who I had just worked with earlier that day. He was, he worked road construction with me. We had worked earlier together that day, you know? So like 2001 was a crazy year for the fire service nationally and locally for us here in South Jersey. So, and those three guys that died in that fire in Gloucester city, two of which I was in college with the one and the other guy was probably the nicest dude I ever met. I'm really close with him. He used to come to our firehouse all the time. I've known him for years. So, you know, it does kind of play with your mind a little bit going, should I do this? Is this the job? You know, but it never, it never swayed me, you know, because I know that they were doing what they needed to do. They were doing their job. They were doing what they loved. They were trying to save three little girls and probably those three men too. If you ask them again, when you see them, yeah, we'd be right on in there because that's, that's just the kind of guys they were. They were, they were, they were heavy hitters. They would go in do their job and get out. So it's a hard thing, you know, firemen die, you know, it's, and you know that the day you take the oath, right. You know that this is a dangerous job. It says it, there's a sticker on the inside of everybody's helmet, right? It says firefighting is inherently dangerous job. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) So we know that. And, you know, my goal now as a Lieutenant is to make sure them four, five dudes on my shift go home every morning. Right now. I'm responsible. <laughs> I got the weight of that on me. Before, it was the other officers making sure I went home as a fireman. And until December 23rd of 2021, I never got hurt on a fire. This year, the day before, two days before Christmas, I got hurt on a fire. Talk about luckily that. It was, luckily, it was nothing. Yeah. It, it's really not that glamorous. I stepped on a nail. Uh, okay. <laughs> right? But I had, to go, I had to go to, it was a workman's comp, right? So now I got to go to... The urgent care, I got to get a tetanus mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, sure. I got to have the doctor look at it. So then he finally comes in. He's like, yeah, you're good. Go back to work. Like, All right. Back to work I went. But, you know, I had never, ever had a time when I needed to, or not needed to, but I'd been injured, right? Have I gotten hurt before on fires? Absolutely. But we stuck it up and we just keep working. You know, oh, man, my shoulder. Oh, man, my back's hurting whatever, just, you got to keep working. Let's go. You know, this is not a business of people who tap out easily. And the people who do tap out, this job is not for them. This job is not for everybody. This job is absolutely not for everybody. I will absolutely do everything I can. If you come to my Academy to prepare you for this job, but there are just some people, doesn't matter what I do, what I say, how I train you, where I train you or what I show you. Some people just, it's just not for them, you know, because the worst day of their life, the people that call you the worst day of their life, they need you to be having the best day of your life. And I tell this to the recruits, you could be at home and your dog just died. You're crying, you're upset. But if that pager goes off and you choose to go to that call, your dog don't matter no more or whatever's going on in your house doesn't matter anymore. You chose to take that call. Now you need to be on your A game. So you have to be on your best day all the time. Because if you're not, somebody can get, get hurt or killed, right? Correct. Absolutely. You can hurt somebody. You can get somebody hurt. What, what happens if you're not in your right frame of mind because something's going on at home and you decided to drive the fire engine to the call? 
Now you're all whacked out. Now the siren's going, the horn's going. They're calling you on the radio saying that the house is on fire. Now your heart's beating out of your chest. You just had to put your dog to sleep. You're all worried about that and tunnel vision and you plow into a car, right? So it's hard sometimes. We see people at their worst, their absolute worst. People, I've always said this, when I retire, I don't want another job that has anything to do with being a fireman because I've seen enough destruction. I've seen enough people lose their stuff. I've seen enough people crying on the front lawns of their house that their house burned down or that their mother just died. Or I've seen enough people hit by cars on Route 130. I've seen enough of that stuff that I've been lucky that it hasn't really affected me that I can tell. Maybe if you talk to my family, they'll tell you a different story. But I still got six and a half years left. That may catch up to me eventually, you know? And I don't want, some guys want to do stuff that's still in the fire service when they retire. You know what I want to do. I want to go cut lawns. That's my passion, right? We're going to talk about that. We'll get into that. But I want to just go to like a golf course and cut lawns, or I don't want to do anything that has to do with the fire service. Not because I don't love my job, but because I've seen enough, you know? I hear you. And you know, you kind of were heading heading that way with some of your fire rescue experiences. What one sticks out the most for you? Can you just share that experience? Well, yeah, I just I was just given a unit citation for a fire on December eighth of twenty twenty one. My company rescued a lady out of a house. It's the first time I've ever been involved in a rescue where the person is still alive to this day. I pulled plenty of people out who ended up dying down the line of smoke inhalation or their burns or whatever. But we were, we were given a unit citation. We actually got a couple of unit citations from different organizations, pulled a lady out of second floor of a house. She's still alive. She's perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with her. She did have a little smoke inhalation, spent a little bit of time in the hospital, but she's out. She's, she's good. So that's, that was very memorable because I've never pulled anybody out alive. I, I pulled a lot of people out unfortunately, who were deceased. So it it was a good feeling. I wasn't, I didn't directly pull her out of the building. I was the nozzle in on that fire. So my job was to control the fire. So I was the one putting the fire out so that we could get her out. You know what I mean? Which was the fire. She was on the second floor. The fire was on the second floor and it started coming down the steps down to the first floor. So I had to fight fire up the stairwell, up into the, and push it back into the other bedroom so that we could then get her out the room she was in my we call him the tool guy or barman um he was in contact with her the whole time he was talking to her the whole time she was talking back and this place was this was going there was fire out of a bunch of windows and uh we got her out that was probably one of my most memorable as a career firefighter and then obviously most memorable um as a volunteer was being at the july 4th fire like i spoke about before we were we were instrumental in helping get some guys out who were still alive today got it is there any misconceptions you can think about about being a fireman that people may may have? All we do is sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's yeah. Well, that is one of them. Honestly, like that's what people think. We just lay around all day and do nothing. We have so much stuff to do in a firehouse. It's not even funny. We come in in the morning. We have to do truck checks. We have to do check our SCBA, fix anything that's broken. Right. Then you go, let's say we go to the grocery store. Common misconception is that the city or the township is paying for our food. They don't pay for our food. It comes out of our own pocket. We go to the grocery store. If we want hot roast beef sandwiches, we're paying $21 a pound for roast beef. Like it's not, it's not coming from the township, you know what I mean? Or the municipality. So we've had that before. People yelling at us. My tax Mm -hmm. dollars paying for your lunch. Well, technically, yes, because you're paying me, but mm-hmm. sure, technically, <laughs> you know, paycheck, yeah. but you know, it's, it's hard. You know, everybody thinks that that's all we do is just sit around when there's that's, not a fire. A, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. When there's not a fire, but they don't know. We go to other calls because the yeah. number one thing is, and the cops, if they don't know how to fix them, the first thing they say is call a fire department. Call, call you. Out. Yeah. Call a fire department. They'll figure it out because. And I think this goes back a long time ago. A lot of people who are firemen have been tradesmen, mm-hmm. right? So back in the day when the police couldn't figure something out, they knew their volunteers were 
carpenters, plumbers, yeah. HVAC yeah. guys, you know, very, uh, framers, very, very handy, hands-on. Yeah. Very hands-on people. Right. So I think that has gone throughout the years where they just have that mentality. And we have, guys, we have guys, we have a, we have one guy, he's on my shift. He owns his own construction company on the side. Some guys are different trades. A couple guys know electrical work and stuff like that. So then we have our side jobs. You know what I mean? I, my side job is teaching. Some guys do construction. Some guys do different things. So it's, it's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even the state troopers, we, we know a bunch of them. We have mutual friends. They're, they're handy, exactly. handy guys too, man. Exactly. Exactly. Quite, quite a few of them. Hey guys, it's Nick. I have a short message from our sponsor, MPC Builders. With well over 40 years of combined construction-related experience in both the residential and commercial markets, MPC Builders services the New Jersey and Philadelphia metro areas. Check out our website at mpcbuilders.net or you can call me directly at 856-217-1750 and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about your construction project. So your transition into becoming lieutenant, which just happened this January, again, congrats. How has that transition been now that you're managing more managerial role and and kind of the leader, if you will? So for me, they kind of did me a little dirty in promoting me and leaving me on the same shift that I had just been a fireman on because on Friday I was fireman Aaron. And then on Monday I was Lieutenant Aaron with the same group of guys, the same guys. So it became hard because they still expect you to be their boy. Right. Yeah. Don't worry about LT. He's still, you know, he's just, he's still one of us. He, you know, not that I now I have and I have the most senior shift in my whole department. Two guys have 21 years, another guy has 18 years, and then the fourth guy, fourth fireman on my shift has 14 years. We were actually hired together. So I have the most senior shift in the entire department. And the one guy on the shift, he likes to test people. He's a big time tester. There's nobody though that I would rather crawl a hallway with. He is one of the best firemen I've ever worked with in my life, but he likes to push buttons and he likes to test you. He tested me once. I didn't take his crap. He hasn't tested me since. Because when he tests you, if you back down, he'll keep testing you. I got right in his face and I was like, listen, we're not doing this. You could have alleviated the problem by talking to me. We, you didn't. So it's on you. It's been kind of good though, because the guy who was the lieutenant on my shift, he had just got promoted to captain. So I had been, he was the supervisor on my shift before. So, and he's kind of a laid back guy, very much like me. I don't, I'm not the stay busy all day guys. Cause the other, one of the other shifts that they're, they're officers, they, they, they think that we work for Amazon. Like you gotta be doing something all day long. I don't get paid for what is happening. I get paid for what might happen. Right. But I need to be ready for that. So I can't be tired and beat up from doing all kinds of stuff all day. So for me, there's a couple things I want to happen on my shift every day. I want to laugh, right? That's the number one thing. I want to laugh. I want to have fun. I want to go to calls. That's what I can pay to do. (laughs) I want you to do what's required of you. And when the clock strikes 630 the next morning, I want all six of us to go home to our families. Other than that, I don't need you to do anything else, right? Some people want you to do 80 million things, but I keep it kind of low key, you know? If I look out of my office window and one dude's got a brush washing a truck, I'll go out and help him. Because coming from Westmont, I was always told, if everyone does a little, nobody has to do a lot, right? Just because I wear a different color t-shirt and I have a, a bugle on my shirt doesn't mean I'm above washing a truck. Doesn't mean I'm above cleaning a toilet, right? So I'll say to the guys, hey, anything need to be done? And of course, being the people that they are with the respect that they give me, everything's done, LT. You don't have to do nothing. When I know damn well, 
stuff needs to be done. I'll go do it. I don't care. I don't care. I don't even, I even told the guys, like, I'm still a little uncomfortable with you calling me lieutenant or calling me LT. Lieutenant's not on my birth certificate. Aaron O'Donnell is. You call me E, you call me Aaron, in the firehouse. We go out on a fire call, by all means, use my rank. That's fine. We're on a fire ground, other people are around. They, that's a show of respect for everybody. That's fine. But when we're sitting in a firehouse and we're, and we're busting chops, busting balls, I'm E. This is what it is. I'm E, I'm Aaron. We're all just hanging around having a good time. And, that's, and not everybody's like that. There's multiple different levels of supervisory experience and different ways that you approach things. You know, like I told you earlier, I'm a leader. I'll push the rock up the wall with the guys. I'm not going to stand on top of the rock and yell down at them and say, push, push. Because guess what? I'm not accomplishing anything by standing on a rock yelling at them to push because they're going to go anywhere. Yep. That's the only way to lead, man. Absolutely. And not to belabor that, because I know, you know, you, you touched about it, touched on a little bit, but, but just the mental and physical preparation that's needed for this type of job. I mean, we were texting just the other day about getting this, going, going to bed at a certain time. Like, is, is that something that's talked with your team at all, just to be ready mentally and physically? Cause you, you never know when that big, big fire's coming, you know? For me, my personal team, I don't have to have that conversation with them because they're on that level. They're very, very on the ball, the guys I have. Two of the guys on my shift, they are permanent chauffeurs. So that means they drive all the time. They're never in the back of the truck. So one of them drives the engine and one of them drives the ladder. And then every month we swap, right? So the two guys, I know I always have the same two guys in the back of the engine. I don't need to worry about who's sitting there today or do I have to worry, did they get enough sleep the night before? Because they're very aware of what's at stake. My shift's not the biggest on working out. There's another shift at the firehouse. That's all they do is work out. But there's nobody on my shift who's not prepared for the day, every single day. It's, it's not a worry for me, personally. The one guy who was on the shift, one guy on the shift who was hired with me, you now a few years ago, Whoever his officer was definitely needed to worry about him because he's going through a divorce. So every day we had to check in on him, make sure his head was there. And if his head wasn't there, we would send him home. We would just say, hey, man, why don't you just take some comp time and go home? You know, and then he would progressively, as the divorce was going, he started to get better. Now he's back again fine. He's a hard worker. He's, he's got his own construction business on his side. He was able to gain full custody of his children. So he's a single dad and he has two kids. So, like, the kids are home by themselves in the summertime when he's at the firehouse. Now, they're older. They're, I think, 12 and 13. So they can fend for themselves. But it's still, you know, you got a single dad who was working a job where he could be killed at any moment. His kids are at home. It's tough. I mean, I can, I can imagine it's tough on him. So, but there's no, I don't have any doubt in my mind when we show up to work in the morning that the guys on my shift are ready to go, which is very lucky for me as a supervisor. <laughs> You know, so outside of your passion for what you do as a profession, what are you passionate about? And, you know, I'm going to I'm just going to put it out there. You do handle a nice lawn. If anyone knows Aaron, you got to check out his Instagram. I gave up on my lawn, so I'm getting sod here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I did, too. I had hydro seed out there and I had it ripped out. So I started from sod, too. But <laughs> so doing the lawn, it's kind of like my. um I guess you could say Zen time, I guess you could say, because, and this is not to say that I don't enjoy spending time with my family or anything like that, but you need that little bit of time to yourself. We all do. So for me, it's, you know, when I'm doing a lawn, that's, you know, two hours of my day where I'm just in my own head doing the lawn, you know, got the music going in the headphones. And it's also a way for me to kind of, temper anything that might be going in my head from work, you know, because you don't want to bring that home. You don't want to bring that home. And I know for a fact, I brought it home multiple times. Yeah. And when you look back and you go, come on, man, like it's not their fault. They didn't do it. Yeah. Or, or I have a night where I don't get any sleep at work and I come home, I'm grumpy. It's not their fault. They didn't do it. You know, 
And it sucks because you can't even stop yourself in the middle of it and realize you're doing it. You know what I mean? Bringing that home. So the lawn's my thing. I have six and a half years left until I can retire in the fire department. So my goal is within the next three years, I'm going to take Penn state online and get my degree in turf care management because if I can try to get a job as like a groundskeeper at a baseball field, maybe a minor league field or something, you need a degree in turf care management to get, to get those gotcha. jobs. Gotcha. Um, Penn state's got one of the best programs all around. So my hope is to do Penn state online and get my turf care management degree. And hopefully wherever we move in South Carolina, cause that's where we're going when I retire, there's okay. a stadium or something around, or maybe mm-hmm. I can get a job as a groundskeeper at high school, <laughs> something of that nature. Maybe also be a coach, baseball coach mm-hmm. of some sort. I can see that. Yeah. Being a fire instructor, you know, that's kind of my thing. Yep. So those are my two passions, baseball, the lawn, and obviously my family is the third passion. Obviously, I love spending time with my family. Your two beautiful daughters and wife. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The, the little one now, she looks just like me. There's no denying it. <laughs> <laughs> she is mine. My wife does all the work and then I get all the credit. <laughs> So, but you know, like my oldest daughter, she's just kind of like really starting to understand what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I say good night, you know, the night before I go to the firehouse and okay, daddy, I'll FaceTime you tomorrow when I go home from school. Cause she knows I'm not going to be home. You know what I mean? She knows where I work. She knows what I do. So she doesn't understand that my job per se is dangerous, but she knows I go up there and I get to ride the pit fire truck and turn the lights on. And she thinks it's the coolest little thing ever. <laughs> you know, we always drive by, we'll drive by Woolwich's firehouse and she'll be like, Oh, is that your firehouse? I'm like, no, that's not my firehouse. My firehouse is very far away. <laughs> that's cute. Um, but yeah. So those are my, those are the three things. I mean, I, I really love going out there and getting in the lawn and doing my thing. I, I do my own stuff. You get the true green guy that stops by. He's like, Hey, can I do it? Can I do your lawn? I'm like, get out of here, bro. Like, you see, you see what I'm doing here? Like, get, get out of here. I do it all myself. I, I and I, and I basically am self-taught. Like I just went on YouTube and started watching videos of guys who do lawn care on there. And I just took to it and it's very common. <laughs> I don't get to golf anymore. That was my common thing. I don't really get out to get golfing anymore. So it's in the lawn now. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Good stuff. So if any, you know, young kid, young adult wants to get into the fire department, whether it's a fire, you know, fireman, administrative, what have you, what, what, what would your recommendation be to someone that wants to get involved in the first responder, like, like the fire department? So obviously you're going to want to volunteer, which is a, a, it's a lost thing nowadays. Like it's very hard to be a volunteer firefighter nowadays because there's so many certifications you need to hold and so many recertifications to do. And nowadays, with the price of everything, inflation, everything that's going on in this world, people are working two and three jobs. They don't have time to go to these classes and get this stuff done. That's why you're seeing a lot of these small volunteer fire departments starting to hire people. Just can't. It's not that they don't want to. They just can't. They just don't have the time. So if you're living somewhere that has a local volunteer fire department, get up to the fire department. Because when you join that fire department, every class you need, they're going to pay for it. You're going to pay for anything. They're going to send you to the academy. They're going to send you to all that stuff. Another good suggestion a lot of people do is they go into military. People will go into military to get their time because they have maybe plans to get hired because, you know, veterans get preference when people are hiring. So that's a way to, to climb up on the list. It also gives you the chance to serve and see what it's all about, right? You may go into the military and go, this ain't for me. Good. I'm out. I would suggest that if you do want to be a fireman, try going to the Navy because everybody who's in the Navy is a fireman. Because <laughs> when you're on a boat, you have to, everybody has to be a fireman because if a fire breaks out on a boat, bad, bad news. Yeah. So if you want to be a fireman, then maybe look into the Navy, you know, because Navy, everybody's a fireman in the Navy. So, you know, and then if you're in the state of New Jersey, New Jersey is a civil service state. So some municipalities work off a of civil service where you take a state test. When you take that state test, then the municipality pulls a list. They'll have a municipality list, county list, and a state list. You have to live wherever you want to work. So if you wish to work in Willingboro, you have to have an address and live there to get hired. Once you get hired, you move wherever you want. If you want to work in Camden City, got to live in Camden City at the time of the test. Then there's municipalities like Woolwich, where we live, which are Title 40. 
doesn't matter. There's no specific test. It's whatever they decide to do to hire you. So I would suggest if you want to guarantee yourself a job in the fire service, you need to go below Virginia. If you're not afraid of being away from home and being homesick. If you're, if you're one of those people who could just uproot yourself and go somewhere and start a new life, go South. South Carolina is, South Carolina is where it's at to be a fireman. Okay. If you already are a fireman, let's say from New Jersey, and you go to South Carolina, they'll hire you without even basically interviewing you because our level of training is so much higher than theirs. They're our basic level. We're up here, they're down here. Not saying they're bad. Ours is just that much extra. You can go down there and you can get a job because all you have to do is hand them your New Jersey cert to the State Fire Academy and they just hand you a South Carolina cert and then you can start working. Interesting. So go south if you want to get a job. And if you are 100% truly into this job, go take every test you can get your hands on. Go to every state that has a test. I went everywhere. I, I had been in Howard County, Maryland, Montgomery County, Maryland. To get certifications. No, to try to get hired. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Again, before I got on a Willowboro, I took tests everywhere. I was in Charlotte. I was everywhere. Just go take a test. Mm-hmm. Don't always put your eggs in one basket because mm-hmm. they could get cracked. Got it. There's a lot of departments out there to take tests at. So go take it. Go take every test you can possibly. Because even at the very least, it's giving you experience on how to take a test. To maybe, let's say you go take the test in Charlotte and you just suck, but at least it gave you the skills to now go take the test and say, Philly, where you really want to work. I really want to work in Philly. So I know I, I screwed up the test in Charlotte, but now I know this is what I got to do to pass the test in Philly. So it's always good. It's always good practice. Brother, I appreciate you, man. And, and respect, respect, you know, what you do um, day in and day out and love the passion for it. And that's why I wanted you to share it. And I really appreciate you sharing your, your passionate career journey, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I like picking up the people who aren't in the construction business that mm-hmm. you're having on. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like obviously Ryan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that to pick up how things intertwine into what you do for a living and how this podcast intertwines with the regular world. Yeah. Yeah. You're just looking for, you know, passionate, inspiring, and just people that can help educate any listeners that are interested in understanding, you know, what that career is all about and how they can pursue it. You know, there's so many, there's so many things out there and I just want to expose, expose people to all the options, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But again, appreciate you, man. And hope to uh, see you soon. I hope to see you soon. If anybody has any questions, comments, or concerns, get a hold of Nick and get a hold of me. I can give you answers. Do you want to share your Instagram? E O'Donnell 20 on Instagram. I believe my, I do have LinkedIn. I think it's just my name, right? Yep. Ben Howard. Mm-hmm. Just my name, Aaron O'Donnell. And then my email is eodonnell2716 at gmail.com. Any questions about anything related to the fire service, any questions you might have, feel free to reach out. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon, man. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Constructing Greatness podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, Please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at nicholasofac at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.